Good morning, Moneylanders community. This is Chris Nickel on this Friday, December 30th, coming to you on the cusp of our college football playoff Final Four happening tomorrow afternoon into the evening. Super excited to talk about that today and can't wait for game action tomorrow. we got a lot happening in the NFL that we're going to share our thoughts on. Uh, but first, I want to start in the NBA, which is a quick plug-in, because earlier this week, a 23-year-old Woody Harrelson had a 60-21-10 stat line. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists by Luka Doncic in Dallas. He's 23 years old, folks. Every time I watch him play, I think about Larry Bird. The comparisons are real. I watch him and I think, this guy can't jump six inches off the ground, yet three guys can't stop him. He is at least as good of a shooter as Steph Curry. I mean, they're the two best pure shooters in the NBA. But Steph Curry's a lot older than Luka Doncic, and he's 23. He's like a sophomore in the NBA, recently out of the college age bracket. You are watching a once-in-a-generation player in Dallas. If you get an opportunity to watch him on TV or maybe take a game in person, you're getting a treat because this kid is going to break all kinds of NBA scoring records if he can stay healthy. He is a one-man wrecking crew in Dallas, and he could be lethal and dangerous if Dallas gets into the playoffs and has, uh, you know, he gets hot. I love Luka, love watching him play. He takes me back to 20 years ago watching the Bird Magic or Bird Jordan matchups. But there really isn't another player in the NBA today that can guard him. He owns all of them. He's not guardable. He's just a unique player at his position. So uh, I just want to put that plug in because when I saw the game of the 60-21-10, I thought, how good can this kid actually be once he fully understands the game of basketball in the United States? Um, it's really remarkable. We're going to move on to a lot of in, of NFL uh, talk today because there's so much happening as we head into the second to last week of the regular season in the NFL. And we'll start off with the most recent situation, and that's the game last night between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. Now, I said on the last podcast that Dallas will not ever win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as the quarterback. And once again, Dak Prescott went out last night and proved that statement correct with a fumble and two interceptions against the water boys on the Tennessee Titans team. You couldn't have put any more backups on the field for the Tennessee Titans. Josh Dobbs, Chestnut, roasting on an open fire running at running back? Wide receivers that had only played one or two snaps the entire season against your number one first set of teammates on the defensive end and the offensive end in Dallas. And they hung in the whole game until the very end. 27-13 is the final score, but Dak had another three inter- three turnovers in that game. You cannot win with Dak Prescott. And when you watch the fumble, it was 100% his fault. 
just butterfingers underneath center. His interceptions, one was his fault, one was not his fault. The one where he hit Ferguson dead square in the center of the chest and it bounced out of his hands into the Titans defender's hand, not his issue. But on the out route, Dak threw way behind his receiver and that interception was an easy pickoff. Dak Prescott has issues. He's not an accurate quarterback. And when I look at that defense play, my goodness. I mean, Josh Dobbs was under pressure the entire game, as usual, by Dallas. When I look at the offensive uh, line of the Dallas Cowboys, and I think about Tony Pollard and Zeke, although I know Tony was out last night, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and now T.Y. Hilton, you should be racking up 40 or 50 points a game, guys. And you can't because you have Dak Prescott. That's the first thing I want to talk about is the Dallas Cowboys. They are a pretender. I'm convinced after watching the game last night that they are not a contender. They will be an early exit in the NFL playoffs. Moving on out to the situation in Denver. Because there has been a ton of talk and debate this week on the future of Russell Wilson, the uh, departure of Nathaniel Hackett. Whose fault was it? And I'm going to take the opposite approach that most of the talking heads are taking. And I'm going to tell you, just as I said a few weeks ago, Nathaniel Hackett was one of the worst coaches in the NFL, one of the worst hiring decisions in the NFL. And now that has played out to fruition as his tenure is over in Denver. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, right off the bat, had bad coaching uh, moments early in the season, poor clock management, His demeanor is not a head coach. He is a weasel. I I, I use the word weasel not really as a derogatory term toward him, but I, I, I have a hard time with weaselly coaches. And Nathaniel Hackett fits into that category. And I'll I'll circle back on that in a second. But Russell Wilson, the difference between Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett is very easy. Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl. He has an NFL MVP award. Russell Wilson is a humble, quiet, calm-demeanored quarterback that's intensely competitive. He is a proven winner. You hired Nathaniel Hackett because he was the offensive coordinator under Matt LaFleur, coaching Aaron Rodgers? So if I were the offensive coordinator at Green Bay and I had Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones... Do you think I could get maybe a head coaching shot? Probably, because I would win a lot of football games. I would put up a lot of yards. That's how Nathaniel Hackett got to Denver, because of Aaron Rodgers. And it's a clear crash and burn. A very bad hiring decision that played out on national TV. You had one of the top defenses handing you the ball over and over and over. And you were the worst NFL in, in NFL team on the field. You couldn't score. And a lot of people on ESPN and CBS Sports are all saying, well, Russell Wilson's done. You need a new quarterback. Put the contract on the shelf. Baloney. The issue issue was Nathaniel Hackett. So now what does Denver do? Well, it's real simple to me. There is a guy right now on the sidelines who's talking about football from a desk. 
His initials are SP. He coached Drew Brees, the small, one of the smallest Hall of Fame quarterbacks in NFL history, to a Super Bowl and multiple NFL MVP awards. His name's Sean Payton. Hey, Denver, you, this is the blank check time. I talk about take out the blank check. It's called the blank check time. You call Sean Payton up. I know you got to go through all the steps and high, you know, interview minority candidates, follow the Rooney rule. Okay, let's let's go through that, guys. But Sean Payton needs to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. I don't think there is a minority candidate today that would disagree that Sean Payton is highly qualified to lead the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. The only other candidate that I think should be considered in Denver is the defensive coordinator in San Francisco. The The issue, though, the, the why I want D'Amico Ryan's who I'm talking about, but why I think Sean Payton's the better fit is because the defense isn't the issue in Denver. It's the offense. And you know the New Orleans Saints under Sean Payton were one of the best offenses for over a decade. So he needs to be the head coach to get Russell Wilson back on track. Open the checkbook, however much Sean needs, however many years he needs it, he needs to be the Broncos' new head coach. And then Nathaniel Hackett will be long in the rearview mirror as a blip, as a mistake. Moving on to some playoff pictures, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers, since we were talking about Nathaniel Hackett. Can Aaron Rodgers bring this team from... The ashes and rise like the Phoenix and backdoor into the playoffs in Green Bay? I think it's very possible. You know, Minnesota is going to come and play football uh, in Green Bay this weekend. But there really isn't, uh, I mean, you can say there's there's a lot riding on Minnesota winning uh, their next two games. I think they understand that Philadelphia is going to win the next two games. And Minnesota is not going to get the number one overall seed. So I think there's a lot less in reality for the Vikings to play for than the Green Bay Packers. You know, Green Bay is a favorite in that game because it's at home, because there's more riding on it for the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, if they happen to slip into the playoffs by winning their last two games and getting a little bit of help uh, from the other teams potentially losing, it, it can get real serious. Um, they need the Lions to lose. They need Seattle to lose. Um, but Green Bay has a chance. And if you let Aaron Rodgers into the playoffs with really young, talented receivers and Watson, Lazard, and Dobbs, with Rodgers, or with, uh, with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in the backfield, and the defense now playing better, that could be one of those six seeds that's very dangerous. Moving over to Tampa Bay, you have the Carolina Panthers two-headed monster rushing attack in Chubba Hubbard and Devontae Foreman heading into Tampa Bay going up against a very strong run defense. Will Tom Brady finally give us a game from the beginning to the end? Is he still alive? Is he still in there somewhere? We need to resurrect Tom Brady for one game against the Carolina Panthers. And I'm going to make this prediction. 
Here's our first free pick on Moneyliners.com on our podcast. Tampa Bay runs away with that game. Minus three is the spread right now. And the only reason Carolina is only getting three points is because of that two-headed rushing attack that has just been shredding people the last couple of weeks. But Tampa Bay will rise up in this game. Their defense will shut down Hubbard and Foreman. Sam Darnold will not be able to throw the ball because he can't anyway. And Tom Brady finally, finally gives us a complete game at quarterback with using Godwin and Evans as his weapons. Julio Jones was back last week. He's got to be a little healthier moving into this week. I think you'll see Tom using him more. Um, And Tampa Bay finally gets a good win over a solid, resurging Carolina Panthers team. Up in New England, Miami, behind Teddy Bridgewater, heads into Foxborough with a lot on the line in that game. You know, Mike McDaniel said, look, I trust Teddy Bridgewater. He's what we got. We got to ride with Teddy, and I'm confident that he's ready to win this game and get us into the playoffs. I actually think Miami gets it done in New England and puts Bill Belichick out of his misery. They're, you know, both teams are heading into the gutter. Both teams can't play any worse than they have right over the last few weeks, giving the playoffs away, literally. But this game comes down to who wants, who has the most talent, essentially. And, and Miami has the most talent on the football field, offensively and defensively. They're also just losing football games by bad play, but they're not mo- making bonehead mistakes like the New England Patriots have the last couple of weeks. I think Teddy goes into Foxborough and gets a huge win for Miami and gets Miami and Tua into the playoffs as Tua recovers from his concussion issues. And then I'm going to switch over to the game I'm the most excited to watch this weekend. Uh, Down in Cincinnati, right down the road. You know, if I wasn't, if I was going to be in town on Monday, I would buy a ticket because very rarely do you get this kind of matchup in prime time with so much on the line between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. You can't ask for more. Josh Allen. In the natty against Joe Burrow. It's real simple, guys. Cincinnati wins that game. They then move into the number two seed spot because of the head up, heads up win over Buffalo. And they sit there and they wait for Kansas City to possibly lose. Possibly lose. Very unlikely, but possibly. A huge upset to the Denver Broncos this weekend as a 12.5 point favorite. That would be massive. Maybe an interim head coach in Denver gets Russell out of the pocket, lets him run wild, flinging the ball all over the field, and somehow that Denver defense creates an upset uh, in Kansas City. Because the chances for Las Vegas to upset Kansas City next week just got a lot lower because they went from Carr to uh, Jarrett Stidham. Uh, So, but nonetheless... Regardless of what Kansas City does the next two weeks, Cincinnati would get the worst seed in the AFC playoffs coming into Cincinnati if they can get that number two seed. So a big game on Monday night. Cincinnati is a one-point underdog at home. I, I Now that was at one and a half. Now it's going to one. So are we going to end up with a pick? 
I think we probably end up with a pick because money is pouring in to, on Cincinnati in that game. I don't know. I don't know what side we're going to end up on right now. Our lean is Buffalo, just because I think they have just more talent on defense. Uh, Josh Allen's running capabilities. I, I just think it's a little too much to to put on Cincinnati right now in the moment. But we're, we don't know yet. We haven't officially created that pick. Um, and it probably won't until right before kickoff, depending on where it lands. So that is the game I'm most excited about with uh, the number two seed on the line. Potentially a number one seed if Kansas City can get upset. Let's move out to Las Vegas. You know that I am a huge, uh, <laughs> I'm a huge critic of Josh McDaniels. And you meant, I mentioned earlier Weasels and Nathaniel Hackett. So let's talk about Weasels and real football coaches. Because I'm going to give you a few names and just let you determine the difference between these names. When I think about my son playing tackle football now in elementary school as he grows up, uh, the kind of coach I want him to play for, um, I'm going to give you these names. Brian Dayball. Dan Campbell, Robert Sala. Those are some names I'm just going to toss out there and have you think about their personality and demeanor for a moment. And then I'm going to share a couple of other names with you. Josh McDaniels, Nathaniel Hackett, Matt LaFleur. What's the difference between the first set of names and the second set of names I gave you? I'm going to tell you, the answer is real football coaches and weasels. That's the difference. A real football coach is tough, rugged, gets excited, gets intense, doesn't mind sticking up for their players, doesn't mind tossing a headset here and there and getting fired up. Smacks their players when they come off the field after a good play. Those are football coaches. Those are coaches that people want to play for, win or lose. Weasels, no grown man wants to follow a weasel. This is the NFL. This isn't peewee football. This isn't fifth grade football. Would you want to follow Nathaniel Hackett? Would you want your son being taught how to play football by Josh McDaniels? Matt LaFleur? No. That's not football. That's croquet. That's the difference between football coaches and weasels. And in Las Vegas, now Josh McDaniels has completely run Derek Carr out of the building. He's done. His career is over as the franchise quarterback that has been with the team since 2014, gone through hell and back, a coaching carousel, moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. He has been the face of the franchise. And clearly Mark Davis has said, I'm hitching my wagon to Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr. Your time is done as our franchise quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Derek Carr is going to take the Las Vegas Raiders to the Super Bowl. 
he's missing the it factor. When he got on the press conference in front of a microphone and began sobbing like a baby, that was it for me. He wasn't the answer to take Las Vegas to the Super Bowl. But if you ask me who to hitch my wagon to, if I'm an Oakland Raiders fan or owner or other player, I would hitch it to Derek Carr before I would hitch it to Josh McDaniels. So now you have Stidham coming in, who clearly is not going to take the Raiders any further than Derek Carr. He will lose both games the next two weeks. He's a bad quarterback. So I don't know what that experiment's about. I mean, I knew no one. You're protecting Derek Carr. You're basically, it's a financial decision to sit Derek Carr. Uh, It saves them millions upon millions of dollars. I get that. So Derek Carr's left the building. But Stidham's not your answer. So you are going to have to go out in free agency and get somebody, uh, perhaps Baker Mayfield would be a good option, I think. There's a couple of other backups that are probably ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, or you And or you're going to have to draft one of these studs coming out of college. Now, if I'm the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders, my strategy as Mark Davis is to go get the free agent quarterback and I would be looking at Baker Mayfield first. Because after Baker Mayfield's play last week, 24 of 28, multiple touchdowns to Tyler Higbee. Um, That's your guy. He's the number one draft pick. He was the starting quarterback who had Kansas City on the verge of loss last year in the playoffs. He's your guy in Las Vegas. It isn't Tom Brady. I knew there was some talk about Brady reuniting with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. Are you kidding me? No. No, I take Baker Mayfield today over Tom Brady simply because of the built, their arm. Tom Brady's arm's done. Baker Mayfield still has a cannon. He's still, he's not fragile. He's still tough as nails. He just needs somebody to believe in him and give him some confidence and stop calling him a bust and a failure. And Sean McVay is doing that right now in Los Angeles, i.e. Baker's play last week. He looked like his old self. Two second-tier receivers. Baker Mayfield is the guy that you need to go get, Mark Davis. And then you draft one of these studs, Bryce Young, maybe Stroud, somebody you get, because you're going to be in the middle of the pack in the first round and probably be able to get one of these stud quarterbacks. Then you get that stud drafted quarterback to come in under Baker Mayfield who's going to be able to teach him all about the pros and cons of being a a first round draft pick all the pressure Uh, he's going to take that young player under his wing and just kind of be able to really mold them for a couple of years as Baker maybe guides the, the Raiders into the playoffs I think that's a good setup and then you'll really be able to know Mark Davis if Josh McDaniels is your guy or not But the Las Vegas situation can't get any worse. Now, I do commend, I do commend the players in Las Vegas for throwing their support behind Stidham. You really don't have a choice. I mean, you got to give the young kid a chance, uh, see what he can do these next two games. 
you know as a player, if you're Waller or, or Renfro, you know that Derek Carr wasn't your guy. Josh Jacobs knows Derek Carr wasn't my guy. Devontae Adams, he's he's got some issues. He's got his own issues. You know, he came to Las Vegas to, for, because of Derek Carr. Bull, baloney. I'm not going to cuss on the podcast. Bull. You came to Las Vegas because you got paid fat cash. Mega bucks. That's why you came to Las Vegas. And it's a cool stadium and cool city. You don't care whether Derek Carr, because he was your college buddy or not, is on the field. You know he's not the guy that can get you to a Super Bowl. You want a quarterback that can throw you the ball, make you a 1,500-yard receiver once again like Aaron Rodgers did two years ago. And you don't care whether his name's Derek Carr or John Doe. So it's not going to be Stidham. Could it be Mayfield? And could it be a future draft pick in this year's draft, one of these stud quarterbacks? It's not Josh McDaniels. But Mark Davis, you really seem adamant that he's your guy. So you made your own bed. It's time to lay in it, pal. you got one of the most incredible stadiums in one of the most incredible cities on the planet. And this is the product you're putting on the field. Complete and utter dysfunctional mess in Las Vegas. And it just keeps getting worse. Let's move on over to the NCAAF college football playoffs and talk a little bit about this discussion point of Ryan Day's future in Columbus. Now, there are people on both sides of this fence. Is Ryan Day really the right coach for the Buckeyes? Or is he not? If he gets blown out by Georgia, is he on the hot seat? Or do they maybe look to move on from Ryan Day? On the other side of the ball, in the other playoff game, the talk is all about Jim Harbaugh's future in Michigan. Is he going to now bolt for the NFL as he almost did last year going to the Vikings? Or is he really committed like he says he is to the Wolverines? Let's talk a little bit about those two games. First of all, the Buckeyes versus the Bulldogs. It comes down, to to me, it comes down to two players. It comes down to Stroud for the Buckeyes and Carter for the Bulldogs. Whichever one of those two players has the better game, that's the team that's going to win. Now, the Bulldogs' secondary is susceptible. They have been thrown on often with a lot of yardage. LSU racked up 500 yards in the SEC championship. Now, if you want to talk about the difference in quarterback in LSU and Ohio State, it's not a discussion. C.J. Stroud is going to fling that ball all over the field to Marvin Harrison Jr., and the Georgia secondary will be tested early and often. So the question is, can Carter get off? Can he get to Stroud? Can he disrupt the backfield? Can he, you know, really eliminate the play-action pass? That's the question. So it's going to come down to the Buckeyes' throwing game and the pass rush pass rush of Carter and company. Ryan Day. Let's talk about Ryan Day for a second because it's really, you know, there, there's, 
There's people that say, he's only lost five games. He's only lost five games. Why are we talking about Ryan Day's future in Columbus? I'm on the opposite side of that coin where I say his future should be in jeopardy. Yes, I agree with Jim Harbaugh when he says some people standing on third base and think they hit a triple. You came in on the coattails of Urban Meyer and were given a five-star recruiting class and four straight years of five-star recruits to continue to build up the dominating Big Ten powerhouse Ohio State Buckeyes. And all of the 40-some games that you won, you should have won. It isn't it isn't a, a, a feat to beat the Illinois or the Indianas or the Northwesterns or Michigan States. Big deal. You should. You're the better team. You have the most talent. You have the most money. You have the better coaches. You should win all of those games. To me, it's about the five games that Ryan Day has lost. That's what I look at. I look, I go back to the 2019 Clemson loss in the college football playoffs, the semifinals. He lost to a talented Clemson team. So par for par, Buckeyes versus Clemson, talent-wise, coaching-wise, money-wise, powerhouse-wise, you lost. You lost to Alabama, you got your tail kicked in the following college football playoff matchup against Alabama. Again, chip for chip, five-star for five-star, coaches, money, powerhouse, you lost. And then the following year, you lost to Oregon at home in the shoe as a significant favorite in that game, an early season home loss to another, you know, solid, strong, quality program. And then you capped off that season with the law, your first loss, to Michigan in the game. You got annihilated in Michigan. They ran up and down the field all over you and stepped on your throat. And then your fifth loss was another embarrassing loss to Michigan just a few weeks ago. At home in the shoe. When you claim to have been preparing all offseason to be able to be tough and beat Michigan. Those are Ryan Day's five losses. The games that matter, the games that count, the games for the marbles. Ryan Day is starting to remind me of Marv Levy back in the Buffalo Bills early 90s era of losing four consecutive Super Bowls. Here you are, Ryan Day, and you have a second chance at life Right now, tomorrow night, 8 p.m., in the Georgia Dome, in Atlanta. By the way, Mercedes Dome or whatever they call it now. It's a beautiful stadium. You have a second chance. So I'm going to tell you how this is going to go for Ryan Day. If the Ohio State Buckeyes get blown out by Georgia, like they did against Michigan, meaning it's a non-competitive matchup, Georgia throttles them from the beginning to the end 
and embarrasses them on the national stage in the playoffs again, Ryan Day's future is in serious jeopardy in, in Columbus, as it should be. However, on the flip side of the coin, as predicted on Moneyliners.com, if Ryan Day pulls off the upset of the new king in the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs, if the offensive line can stop Carter from getting to Stroud and Stroud can fling it all over the field, and Ryan Day wins that game, advancing into the championship against our prediction, the Michigan Wolverines, and Ohio State beats Michigan in the championship, redeeming themselves for the loss in the shoe in the game, Ryan Day solidifies his future in Columbus as the premier head coach of the Buckeyes long-term. So Ryan Day is standing at the crossroads right now. If he loses one game to Georgia badly, he's going to turn left. If he wins two games against Georgia and Michigan, who we predict, he's going to turn right. I don't think there's anyone else in Columbus that has more on the line in this playoff than Ryan Day. C.J. Stroud's going to the NFL. He will probably be the second quarterback selected. I think Bryce Young gets selected ahead of C.J. Stroud. I may be wrong, but he's going to be a first-round draft pick and be a quarterback for an NFL team next year. Does he want to win a national championship? Of course. Does he feel a little pressure to be 0-2 against Michigan and you know maybe not have the success that Justin Fields or uh, T.J. Barrett or um, J.T. Barrett or potentially uh, Cardell Jones had in 2014 to Wayne Haskins? Yes. But at the end of the day, he's still going to get paid. Ryan Day's future is on the line this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. Is he prepared? Does he have Jim Knowles in the booth ready to rock and roll at the top of his game? You better get that defense ready. You better get to to Stetson Bennett. And you better have your men ready in the trenches because you're going to be out-muscled, out-weighed, and out-played in the trenches by the Georgia Bulldogs. This is your time to shine, Ryan Day. It's up to you. You're the man. You're the leader in that clubhouse. You're the leader on the sidelines. Get your boys ready to play football. Remember the Moneyliners prediction. Ohio State not only covers the six and a half point underdog spread, they beat Georgia at home in Atlanta. It is a home game for the Bulldogs. Let's not mince that. You can't get a more home dog uh, home game unless you were in Athens, Georgia. The Buckeyes get it done. Stroud goes bananas. Literal bananas, Stroud. Five touchdown passes. 400 yards of passing. C.J. Stroud is the MVP of the game. The secondary in Georgia is exposed and the Buckeyes march on in their quest waiting, just hoping that the Michigan Wolverines take care of business earlier against the TCU Horned Frogs. Moving on to the other side of the ball, 
in that game, TCU Horned Frogs against the Michigan Wolverines. Listen, <laughs> this game's going to come down to one player, Old Red. Can Max Duggan get it done for TCU like he has all season long? Like he tried to against Kansas State in the Big 12 Championship, but his coach, Sonny Dykes, decided to call two bonehead plays, the last two plays of the game that ended it for TCU. Other than Sonny getting in his way, the kid has single-handedly willed TCU to the best season ever. It's going to come down to him. If he plays at his best, TCU has a great chance to upset Michigan. But if Michigan controls Duggan and eliminates his big play capability throwing or running, Michigan runs away with the game. So, as predicted, TCU covers the 7.5-point spread, but Michigan wins the game. And then our attention turns to Jim Harbaugh. What's he going to do? We know that there are going to be some vacancies in the NFL. Right now, there's one in Denver. There's going to be more. And his name's going to come up again, as it should, and as it does every year. So I will predict this for Jim and his khaki pants. If Jim wins the national championship for the Michigan Wolverines, beating TCU and then the winner of Georgia, Ohio State, Jim goes to the NFL. I say that because mission accomplished. What else is there to do as the head coach of Michigan? You have proven that you are a winner at the collegiate level and you have delivered on your promise to make Michigan prominent once again and you would be handing them the national championship. You could look your athletic director and your fan base in the eyes, shake their hand, and go to the NFL and see if you can get the job done up there once and for all. If Jim falls short of that mark, as a man of integrity, as I believe he is, a class act, he will feel like he's not done the job. And he will stay. And he will continue to grind and build Michigan more and more and more toward achieving that goal of a national championship. So I think Jim is also at the crossroads, slightly different than Ryan Day. I think Jim goes to the NFL because he is unfinished business there if he delivers the trophy to Ann Arbor. It's going to be an interesting weekend. I can't wait. In just over 24 hours, the CFP playoffs will kick off. Two exciting games. I, I, I'm excited to see both of them equally, and I'm an Ohio State fan. Um, I, I'm, I just I love, I love Max Duggan. And, you know, if, if I could, if the Ohio State-Georgia game was before Michigan-TCU, it would make me all in for TCU if Ohio State lost to Georgia. But because the TCU-Michigan game is before the Georgia-Ohio State game, and I don't know the outcome of it, I'm just going to, I just got to root for the what-ifs. And, and, and just try to be a future fortune teller. If, if, Ohio, if I knew Ohio State was going to lose to Georgia, I would be pulling for Big Red all the way and TCU Horned Frogs. But as I believe and as I have predicted, the Buckeyes will beat Georgia. 
I have to root for Duggan to have a great game and show the world who he is on the biggest stage in college football, but Michigan to win the game. Because I so badly, I so badly want to give C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day and company one more shot at the Michigan Wolverines. I don't want to see C.J. go out 0-2 against the Wolverines. And I would love nothing more than to beat Michigan for the national championship because, frankly, that's the end goal for the Buckeyes, not the Big Ten championship. We win national championships in Columbus, and it's been a while. It's been eight years. It's too long for that kind of recruiting class year after year. It's too long for those kinds of resources in Columbus to wait eight years watching Clemson win multiple championships, watching Alabama win multiple championships, and Georgia now winning a championship over that eight-year period that you have not won one. The end goal must be the national title. So bring it on, Georgia, and bring it on, Michigan, hopefully, in the championship game. Because that trophy is coming back to Columbus one way or another. And I think that Ryan Day's future in Columbus is solidified after he hoists the trophy here in a couple of weeks as the national champions. This is Chris Nichols signing off on this Friday, December 30th from Moneyliners.com's podcast. Have a great weekend of great football action.